The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the book club show on Inspire 105.1 FM. My name is Imrana Mahmood and I am here on the 12th of September. It's just 10, 10 o'clock. I hope you have had a wonderful morning so far. A little bit cooler today, which is probably quite welcomed. I know we've uh, suddenly gone through a a second summer almost here in the UK. Um, And I actually firmly lay the blame for that to my guest who's on the show with me today, who is the wonderful author of Ares Khan. I think he's brought the Pakistani weather with him. Today on the show, we are talking about his latest book, which is called Someone Like Her. Um, now, you might remember I did have OS on um, a few years ago. So this is before COVID. It was his um, debut book, if I'm correct, which was in the company of strangers fantastic book so I was really really excited as soon as I knew that Awas was in the UK and he was doing his book launch here I thought I have to grab um, my hands on a copy of someone like her so we can discuss it with the author himself um so as always I'm gonna delve in straight into the um uh of the book itself so give you a bit of context um, and yeah we will then go over to Avas and talk a little bit about the themes. themes. Um, So the blurb is Multan, Pakistan a conservative city where an unmarried woman over the age of 25 is considered a curse by her family. Aisha is 27 independent and happily single she has evaded an arranged marriage because of her family's reduced circumstances. When she catches the eye of powerful, wealthy Raza, it seems like the answer to her parents' prayers. But Aisha is in love with someone else, and when she refuses to give up on him, Raza resorts to unthinkable revenge. Aisha travels to London to rebuild her life, and there she meets Gamil, an emotionally damaged man who has demons of his own. They embark on a friendship that could mean salvation for both of them, but danger stalks Aisha in London too. With her life thrown into turmoil, she is forced to make a decision that could change her and everyone she loves forever. So that's a really intriguing um, blurb. And I have to say, I really did enjoy reading um, the book, Someone Like Her. So we're going to go straight over to OS, who is very kindly joined us in the studio, which is always very exciting. And you should be able to join us today on um, Facebook Live. If you have any thoughts or comments, you can call in on 01582481822. Or you can also choose WhatsApp. So that's 0777 So, Asalaamu Alaikum, Abbas. How are you this morning? It's so nice to be back in Luton and uh, thank you so much for having me. It's always being in Luton is like, you know, kind of like being in back in Pakistan. You see so many uh, Pakistani people here. So it's nice to be here. That's good. It's a home away from home. That's how we like to describe it. Um, so if we go straight to, um, I guess what my first question was that um, in the company of strangers and actually your second book as well, which was um, No Honor. Both those tackle quite, you know, really tough subjects, I guess, you know, which are definitely necessary. So I guess the question really was, what was the motivation about this particular book, your newest book, Someone Like Her? Yes, I I think I do have a reputation for writing about social and cultural issues in Pakistan. And yes, this book is no different. I think there's so many issues and so many problems in Pakistan and... uh, uh, it's just, uh, I think it's very important for us to talk about them. This particular issue, which is about asset attacks and uh, domestic violence in general, I think this is something that it's not just uh, strictly restricted to Pakistan, but it's a, it's a problem the world over. So I thought that it was probably very important to talk about this because most of it is always, most of it is brushed under the rug anyway in Pakistan. And a lot of victims don't get justice because either they're too scared to uh, come forward or they're just, um, uh, you know, it's parental pressure and they just Mm. don't uh, follow up. So that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, yeah, just to maybe, um, that might be quite a good point for listeners. So, I mean, today's themes will be um, probably quite difficult. Um, So just in terms of any kind of trigger warning, there will be conversations obviously about a little bit about domestic abuse and and, and acid attacks. And if there is anything that, you know, you need support, please do obviously feel free to um, 
contact the studio and we, we can signpost you if you do need that um so then coming on to obviously that those kind of themes um OS, so obviously with domestic abuse but you also in this book kind of because um, naturally that has an impact on, on mental health as well. Um, so I was really interested to know, you know, did you need to do any particular type of research, you know, in, in to lead up, you know, before, you know, writing the book itself? I think uh, these kind of uh, issues always require research because it, mm. it's something that has to be dealt with very sensitively. And uh, uh, it's 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 a problem and it's something that a lot of people are going through in, in the world. So, uh, the least we an author can do is to you know properly research it. But mm-hmm. yes, I did do research. Uh, uh, the for, uh, I would say fortunately my mother is from Multan, so mm-hmm. uh, I've been visiting that city for uh, since childhood. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot about it anyway. But I did sort of. It's always important to visit that place specifically for research. So I did that. I it took three years of research for that because that was an even more. Um, uh, challenging subject for me because it was rural Pakistan. So yes, I did a lot of research to answer your question. Yeah, and actually it's so interesting you say that because as I was reading the book, I was thinking you must have a connection with Multan because obviously it's such a core um, a part of the of the story and I've like never been. So <laughs> it was just like, oh, okay. So, um, and then what is it do you think then, obviously you've mentioned the fact that there's obviously there are these issues in Pakistan and they, they tend to get kind of, you know, brushed under the carpet, etc. Um, but what are you kind of hoping then for for this book to, to kind of do in terms of exploring those themes? Like what, what is your maybe hope from that? Well, uh, I think first of all, uh, bringing these issues to the forefront is necessary. I think that's the most important thing, because like I said, that a lot of people are not talking about it. A lot of people just it's like I said, it's just brushed under the rug because People want to save face. People want their daughters to um, not uh, lose the prospect of marriage, you know, mm-hmm. later on. So it's it's just it's such a, a confusing and such a uh, claustrophobic society sometimes mm-hmm. in Pakistan that these things are not talked about at all. So I think my point in writing this was to um, not malign Pakistan in any way, but uh, to put these issues on the forefront and hope that some positive steps can be taken to tackle them maybe some legislation maybe some governmental intervention i do uh, things like that especially uh, i think we'll be talking about it later as well but uh, but yeah mm-hmm. uh, anything that some action that can actually take place yeah yeah absolutely and i guess that in some way is a role of, of a writer or any kind of artist it's almost like holding up a mirror isn't it and and yeah. just getting you to you know to, to reflect and hopefully obviously the you know the, the readers themselves um so obviously you've just had a book launch how was um the book launch and how is it kind of been received at the moment from what you can tell well um yes we had a book launch on the 6th of september at mm. waterstones islington in london and it was literally the book launch of dream my yes. dreams because there were almost 100 people there and uh, even everyone was like the people who to a turn up and everyone they're like they'd be like we don't we've not seen this kind of turnout for even you know best-selling mm-hmm. authors and for mm-hmm. a Pakistani author to draw this kind of crowd is just it's amazing and mm-hmm. someone was um, sa- someone said that they'd been in the circuit book launch circuit for f- over 15 years and they'd never seen so many Pakistanis at a book launch so <laughs> I, I'm counting that as a triumph that is definitely a win that is definitely yeah. a win it's so nice and I think that's what's really um Important, isn't it? Because when we talk about um, the publishing industry and, 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 you know, the lack of representation and obviously underrepresented writers and there's so many different terms, I guess. But that's really what it creates, because once we start seeing writers and stories that represent us, then it's that natural feeling of you belong in a particular space. Right. And so that's no, that's really refreshing (laughs) to hear. Um, And what about... um, How's the journey been in terms of then writing the book and getting it to publishing? Like, I, I just wondering for the listeners, and that doesn't have to be just about this book. Obviously, this is your third now. How has all of that been for you in terms of your writing journey and now obviously being, you know, uh, an author, you know, with amazing book launches? <laughs> well, I, it has been quite a journey. So, I mean, uh, people see it, see me now with the launch and everything and all that. And people think it's probably been very easy. But let me tell you, I mean, if I had known it would be so hard, I probably wouldn't have done it. It's just it's such a hard thing. It's to to get that exposure. And as you said, uh, for a Pakistani, especially like the lack of representation, it's 
I know that life is hard for every writer out there, but for Pakistan, multiplied by 100, it's mm-hmm. that hard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I'd have to thank my agent here, that uh, Annette Crossland, for taking a chance on a Pakistani author. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many agents do in uh, in this part of the world, but uh, but yeah, I'm grateful to her. And also, it's just to, to the readers as well who've embraced me, especially here in the UK, uh, from my first book itself. And mm-hmm. The support has only grown. It mm-hmm. hasn't shrunk. Mm-hmm. So that's why you saw that kind of launch the mm-hmm. other day because it was just that um, the community is so supportive. The authors, the readers, bloggers, publishers, agents, everyone has been very supportive. So yeah. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And, you know, it has been exciting following kind of that journey and yeah. especially since, you know, you, you were last on the show with with the first book. Um, so coming back to someone like her, um Now, in the book itself, there's a couple of, a couple of, actually, probably a few times, the term or like, you know, the sentence of Logagyagenge is in there, right? And obviously, we, I'm sure, across the diaspora and within, you know, uh, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, and lots of probably countries um, have that kind of concept, I guess. Um, so, what is your own opinion, I guess, of that kind of attitude or kind of thinking what impact has that had on kind of familial relationships and and like wider society it has a huge and very widespread widespread impact even today mm. and even for someone like me you would think that you know who's mm. very unaffected by these things or probably very enlightened mm. i suffer from that as well i have mm. to go through the, the because the societal gaze in pakistan is a very is that is a real thing mm. the lok kya kahenge concept mm. it totally exists and uh, most families in pakistan work alongside that mm. and most people fear to do something that is not in the norm mm. uh, because and, and and they don't do it because they fear that lok kya kahenge so it's a very very real concept in pakistan and not just in pakistan but as as, as uh, in south asia and also i think in in the uk as well among the diaspora here mm. there's there the, the fear still exists mm-hmm. i mean maybe it's a little diluted but it still exists that what will people say mm-hmm. so this whole sentence is actually holding so many people back mm-hmm. uh, both in uh, south asia and across the mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. so yeah I, i i wish and wish that i'm alive for the day when this sentence doesn't have that impact mm-hmm. that it does today yeah yeah because it's such a loaded thing yeah. um isn't it and it, and it can crop up in any situation yeah. it's not even i mean obviously in this particular book someone yeah. like her it's the fact that um the main um obviously um protagonist um she is obviously unmarried and she's getting older yeah. um so you know Aisha and then obviously everything else that kind of transpires in terms of um Raza and her being kind of pursued and you know then obviously the the tragedy then that occurs um but yeah i guess obviously in 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 any context but yeah i think you've kind of captured that really well in terms of a cultural um i don't know cultural baggage almost and the fact that you know it, it still exists even now and like you said even still in yeah. the in the diaspora as well um so then going on to maybe the fact that obviously we we have um Aisha who is obviously um the victim of an acid attack in um the book itself but i was also really intrigued by the fact that you obviously have um Is it Camilo Camilo? I'm not you know I was thinking I should know how to pronounce this name but I want to ask you. Yes, it's Camilo but Kamil. I, I'm glad that you know both pronunciations. So okay. it's fine. Yeah, it's actually Camilo. <laughs> okay, Camilo. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. So and the fact that obviously he himself um is obviously based in the book is based in the UK. He's had um kind of a string of maybe unsuccessful relationships. So yeah, the fact that he's going through his own silent struggles because of some, you know, unsuccessful relationships he's had. Um but the fact that he is also impacted by how he is being seen or his mother worries how their family is being kind of you know perceived the fact that he's also unmarried and she's really desperate to have children um so yeah i what made you want to kind of um explore the male perspective of of struggles as well as you know um female i think in our society men are supposed to be always supposed to be you know stoic and never show emotions mm. and to always be strong but uh, the fact is that uh, men are also weak men can uh, have emotions and men can suffer as well um, mm. so 
So I think I wanted to uh, look into some of that as well, explore some of that. And coming back to what you said about low kya gaenge, I think it's both, it's across the board, the judgment about that. So I wanted to show how it is for men as well, because mm-hmm. they suffered through that a lot. Mm-hmm. The judgment and also the fact that, you know, the weight of expectations, the burden of expectations and all of that. So I wanted to show a side of that and uh, how much how, the toll it takes uh to just keeping everything um within you and not letting anything out mm. so i think uh, it's very important to explore that as well the the expectation from society that men should never um uh, sort of uh show the slightest weakness mm. so yeah and you hope that maybe you know for any readers and this is both kind of men and women um is there a bit of an encouragement there obviously naturally that for men to be able to share their emotions and obviously that there's one part of it where you know that it's important that they do but i guess reading it, it was also about maybe as as women in our men's lives and maybe creating that space where if they want to do that it shouldn't be seen you know as a sign of weakness so what was really interesting was in um someone like her he meets obviously um uh, a woman and it's just gone out of my head what her name is um, but she's the one who kind of um, suggests therapy you know for him to join a, a group therapy which I thought was so it was just a, it was just a wonderful moment I think for, for someone to be able to reach out and and you know at least give the idea to him yeah mm. that was Safia oh but, yes that's but right. uh, but yeah I, I just mm. and you'll notice that I tried to show how uh, Sophia living and brought, born and brought up in the London and everything she was enlightened enough to suggest that mm. but with Aisha even though she was very enlightened very independent but when mm. she heard that mm. he was going through uh, you know therapy and everything and she's like now I've seen everything yes. a man a Pakistani man in therapy so so you see these kind of things th- these judgments mm. they still exist no matter how enlightened or yeah. uh, our society becomes mm. so, yeah. yes that's true actually I'd, I'd forgotten that yeah. you're right because the reaction it really yeah, yeah it's obviously a jolt to him isn't it because yeah. he's being judged in that moment I know yeah yeah and actually that's that's really another point because I think sometimes you know, we, we can be guilty of the fact that when we hear about issues like um, maybe domestic abuse or acid attacks or, you know, these, these you know, real, real kind of tragic things that are happening in people's lives, we might assume it's happening in certain communities where, you know, maybe they're, they're not educated or, or I, I don't know, you could, there could be all these, you know, perceptions. But obviously you've taken... Um, the character of Raza, who's obviously this rich, uh, wealthy, you know, from an elite family, who's an abs- absolutely awful, you know, obviously I'm going to watch my language about what I <laughs> say about him. But um, so what, and, and again, you know, it reminds me of the fact that even in the first book that you wrote in The Company of Strangers, you were kind of looking at that kind of upper class society in Pakistan and actually the the flaws even that you know exist so so yeah what was it about that and having to pick Raza as a character I think Raza is basically the it's uh, he's a, a manifestation of how entitled men can be in Pakistan mm. especially when they're rich Mm. So it's kind of like nothing is denied to them. And I think that to some extent, parents and their family, they enable that behavior. As you might have seen, her mother was Mm. uh, a big enabler in Mm. that. It's like when they know that they have all the money in the world, then everything everything becomes relative. Mm. So it's not about whether something is right or wrong. It's about Mm. how you can get it if you Mm. want it. Mm. So that sense of entitlement... Uh, actually leads people down very dark paths and mm. to some extent that's the uh, that was my inspiration I mean that's why I created Raza's character because he just had no heart at all and to him everything he did was right because for him he that's all he had been ever taught that mm. if you want something go get it and nothing is ever denied to you so mm. that's what he thought with people as well that if I like someone then I must get them by mm. any any means possible yeah yeah so yeah and and that's exactly it, isn't it? Because there's the idea that the money can buy you, get you know, you can get whatever you want and also then get away with whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and that's in essence, you know, up until um, most of the story, that is what is happening. He just keeps getting away with really, really awful, awful um, kind of, you know, violence and attitudes and, you know, towards Aisha, but just generally, yeah, as a whole. Um, and obviously the fact that, 
he's able to buy off you know the police or you know when we talk about corruption and and of course that happens in you know in, in all countries but I think even for me sometimes when I think about you know Pakistan and 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 the sense of justice there you know yeah it's kind of really sad isn't it you know I, I think anyway um so then you know in terms of um the the story itself and the fact that we have you know it, and obviously we're talking in the context of Pakistan that these um, issues do occur. Um, you talked a little bit about, you know, potentially the government coming up with some sort of legislation or, you know, so I wonder what steps really do need to be taken? Like we have yourself as writers who are holding up the mirror, you know, so to speak to these issues. Um, but I guess it could be quite an overwhelming, like, you know, feeling of wanting to change Pakistan for the good. But yeah. what are the little steps? What are the little steps? I think for starters, the first step that uh, the government needs to take in Pakistan is to manage and uh, scrutinize the trade of these products, you see, mm. acid and stuff. How mm. do people make this? So to that, that, you know, go back to the roots. Where mm. is this coming from? So at least police what's going on, uh, the trade of these products, so that people can't make these products at home or whatever. And I think the second step would be to actually get the parliament involved the, because they've, uh, act, they've they, there is legislation, leg, legislation against mm. uh, honor killings now in Pakistan. Mm. So I think the same should be done for this as well. I'm sure there is something already, but... That's the problem with Pakistan that they do uh, have legislation, but it's not enacted. The law mm. isn't followed, and especially in rural areas or smaller cities, the rule of law is even is mm. much weaker anyway. Mm. And the feudal system comes in, and the influence comes in, and that's that's how people get away with it. They'll buy the victims mm. off, they'll buy the police off, and in smaller areas of Pakistan, maybe there's just one police station servicing a huge area, mm. uh, and that. It, it it's just one inspector you see mm-hmm. and he can be bought off very easily so that's the thing i think we need to increase uh, they need to increase the salaries of these policemen so that they'll be less liable to take bribes and stuff mm-hmm. and you know be get sold off like this mm-hmm. so yeah i think these are some small steps they can take and uh, and yes raise our voices that's what we can do yeah absolutely and it's yeah it's so important that you've kind of yeah. talked about the root problems because yeah. sometimes that's what happens we we end up t- talking about the more superficial bigger yeah. um you know but you're right and because you know i know again we're, we're talking about pakistan but even the uk we we have had actually um issues of of acid attacks between kind of you know gang members and yeah. you know because obviously it's it's almost a more oh i don't know what word to use but you know you've got guns and knives but there's something about being able to get a hold of of, of a chemical I and know, then using yeah. that as a weapon yeah. um which obviously is, is so you know kind of obviously as dangerous as, as anything else um and I guess, you know, the fact that, yeah, if if we're able to um, provide better in terms of employment, then naturally, you know, it, it, it will, maybe that ripple effect will, yeah. it will, it will have that positive ripple effect. Um, so then I guess I'm thinking that um, in terms of Pakistan and the fact that, you know, people are reluctant, I guess, to acknowledge some of the problems there. Um, do you sometimes worry that by focusing on obviously issues of, for example, in this is, is kind of domestic abuse and violence or honour killings, etc., that there's a risk that you're perpetuating negative stereotypes that people might have? Like, is there a worry there? Or? That, that's a very good question. And, you know, this is something that I get asked every time in Pakistan. Mm. The thing is that... Um, Writers are somehow expected to portray, to always portray a positive image of Pakistan. I don't know what this infatuation is with, you know, presenting a positive image. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are some good things about, a lot of good things about Pakistan, but we also have to see how the majority of the population is living. So these kind of things come from the elite class who are already very entitled, who are very privileged, who are living in a bubble mostly. Mm. So the reality for 95 or 96% of Pakistanis is radically different from the reality that these people are living. Mm. So for them to say that, you know, don't talk about this stuff because what will people say or what will the West say? I mean, just look at the other 95%. Just look beyond your houses, beyond your big cities and see what's going on in Pakistan and then tell me that mm. we shouldn't talk about it. So yeah. I don't really believe in this uh, thing at all that, you know, Pakistan should always be presented in a positive life. Uh, when 
things are okay in pakistan when things are right in pakistan there will be no need mm. to portray anything in positive light because mm. it's for everyone to see mm. the, the pakistan everyone will be praising pakistan but for now we have we must talk about it so that we can alleviate a little bit of what those people mm. are going through every day mm. yeah no no i yeah. think you're right and and again you know it's what we were talking about representation because sometimes i guess you do have that burden of representation yeah. that oh i must have to have something positive so you know I that's know. completely yeah. completely understandable um so we're heading oh. over to um a break we are talking today to Awas Khan and about his latest book Someone Like Her um so we've talked a little bit about obviously some of the um issues within Pakistan society we've talked a little bit about Logia Genge what will people say and the impact that that is having on you know relationships and you know wider society as well um in the second half of the show we'll talk a little bit more um about obviously someone like her some of the other themes in the book we'll delve a little bit deeper into um the characters themselves as well um so yeah i hope really really um wonderful that averse is joining us today in the studio um and you can join us back in a few moments we'll be talking about things like money and marriage as well because obviously those are some of the themes within the book grab yourselves uh, maybe a cup of chai and some biscuits or something and we will be back in a few moments assalamu alaikum Assalamu alaikum this is Atif Nawaz listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the book club show on Inspire 105.1 FM my name is Imrana Mahmood and in the studio today we are joined by Awas Khan and we are talking about his latest book Someone Like Her so this is about um Aisha who um lives from uh, lives in Multan Pakistan um and she is unmarried and she's being labeled as kind of almost um you know past her sell by date which is basically how women even uh, yeah after the age of 20 something uh, tend to get labeled um she is then um catches the eye, th- eye of wealthy raza who is basically gets rejected by her because she's already in love with somebody else he then takes steps to um exact his revenge which is um quite you know terrible and violent and we are talking a lot today on today's show about um domestic abuse and also um acid attacks so please do bear that in mind as you're listening to the show today um so in the first half of the show we were talking a little bit about um some of i guess the society social cultural issues that we get in um Pakistan and sometimes the impact that that can have even you know for the diaspora that is living outside Pakistan and particularly you know in the west or you know like myself we're you know living in the UK and how maybe our perceptions are of Pakistan and issues and how those can kind of still filter in into everyday life even um within our homes here as well um so um where's coming back um straight to you we were talking just before um the first um before the first break the fact that you know the burden of representation on yourself as a writer that because you do tackle very difficult subjects it does mean that you know you sometimes um get questioned about why you're not portraying pakistan you know in a positive light um so maybe just following on you know from that conversation it made me think of something recently that i came across so there was a, a drama in pakistan that um i think it was already like released or it was maybe a trailer had come out i'm not quite sure um i mean i'm not going to mention you know the the drama itself but um it all went viral about the fact that you know it was about a particular incident that had happened um in Pakistan involving kind of violence against a sexual violence against a woman um and how that had triggered obviously the survivor you know and there was a lot of conversation about the 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 drama writers or directors etc being quite insensitive what are your kind of thoughts when something like that happens in terms of wanting to ban a drama or ban this film and because it's not fitting a particular narrative i guess um well it depends on how you're treating that uh, uh, topic if you're dealing with that topic sensitively and appropriately i don't see any reason why it should be banned but if you're just getting um if you're uh, if you're tackling that topic just for the sake of that just to get views then mm-hmm. i think it's probably not a very good thing so i I'm not very I'm not usually in favor of things being banned at all because I feel that it's very important to give people creative liberty and to 
ہیلپ دیم یو نو ٹیکل سبجیکٹس دا وے دے وانٹ ٹو بٹ یس television in pakistan can be a bit um, they mm. can exaggerate things they can sort of go down the rat that mm. that kind of rabbit hole so i'm not exactly familiar with that drama myself okay, but sure. uh, but yeah i do feel that uh, it's our duty to at least do the research and to treat the these kind of topics uh, sensitively mm. because i think you're right that there is um, and again you know it's not just pakistan this happens across the board yeah. but this kind of sensationalism isn't it yeah. because you want to create content or because you want to have yeah like you said some some sort of audience um and yeah and i i think that's really interesting and and i guess what even when it comes to to books and you know your your book um someone like her um because for example we were talking about um raza's character and and the fact that you know that there's um a portrayal of a particular pakistani man who's very entitled because he has money and you know things like that do you think then um there's but we still require a bit of nuance and that's not at all to justify anyone's behavior but but is there something there like how can we get away from that kind of sensationalism like what do artists you know in particular maybe need to do to make sure there's a balanced approach you know like you said to make sure it is a bit more sensitive and not just you know yeah. i think it's very important not to perpetuate stereotypes mm-hmm. as such because even though raza is a very stereotypical character and he's mm-hmm. quintessentially evil but mm. as opposed to him kamil is a very sensitive character he's the kind of like the antithesis of raza mm. so i think that's very important similarly when i wrote no honor the uh, it's very stereotypical for to assume that fathers will always be against their daughters when it comes mm-hmm. to honor and they'll uphold the family honor and as opposed to their daughter's happiness but in mm-hmm. no honor the father actually stands with his daughter so i think that's when we uh, when we explore um things where we can actually um get, stop using these stereotypes where mm-hmm. we stop using these stereotypes i think that's where um, mm-hmm. that's the content the kind of content we should create yeah. i think yeah and i think you know i absolutely agree i think the balance that you created in someone like her is is just it's just done really well you know like you said yeah. because you've got garmil and then you've got raza you've got you know the 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 mothers and the fathers and, yeah. and how they are and um yeah and there was such a uh i don't know i had a very uh, visceral kind of um mm-hmm. reaction to some of the you know conversations that the parents were having but it's because it's it's things you've heard yeah. of or that you've heard yourself and but the fact that um Aisha's father does want to support her but then it, again it's all of that pressure that he's feeling as well and mm-hmm. you know um again it comes to to money and um the, the, obviously my one of my next questions is going to be the fact that <laughs> you know we have kind of there's money and then there's marriage which are like two really big things uh, you know that that kind of occur and within the book but even in life itself right because honestly you know as a pakistani woman myself that's so, I, especially i guess um living in the UK that there is idea that you want to as a woman still be kind of educated and successful and that's you know be financially independent but then at the same time it's like when are you going to get married or when when are you going to have children you know so we go through all these things why do you think that these two things are so kind of closely um connected you know like money and marriage i guess i, I know it's a bit generalized but and are things changing do you think I think that uh, it's very important to understand that Pakistan is not a first world country. So hmm. love there is no such thing as I mean there is love obviously but in Pakistan that concept does not exist at least in the minds of parents most parents hmm. they're like the priority is always it will always be money because things are so precarious in Pakistan anyway that hmm. everyone is always uh, is is more concerned about securing their livelihood and to securing hmm. their future. and money is the best way to do that so marriage has to be seen as something that will also bring in money or that or or that will actually stabilize that person mm-hmm. so that's what money is money is uh, sorry not marriage marriage is kind of an arrangement in pakistan it's not actually a union of two people it's actually a union of two families you know in mm-hmm. pakistan so uh, so that's what i think of but in in the uk it's different because even though you said you still face all of these things but i feel that the experience has diluted a little because there's so much independence here and the ability to for people to stand on their own two feet which mm. which is something that is not afforded uh, uh, this which is a luxury that's not afforded to everyone in pakistan so then that's why money becomes such an important thing mm. in all these discussions 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, it's very interesting because Aisha's character, um, I mean, she's a a working woman. So, you know, she's already earning. It's the fact that she comes from a family that back in the days would have been considered um, kind of, I guess, upper class and elite. But obviously they don't live that life any longer. So there's kind of almost not nostalgia isn't the right thing, but this kind of longing to, to be able to gain that status again. And of course, that is what then leads to the fact that they're really keen for Aisha to marry this obnoxious <laughs> horrible uh raza um so yeah no no definitely i think that's that's really interesting and and what you're saying about marriage because it reminds me of um uh, i think it's the movie you know little women which obviously is based on the book by jane austen but the fact that there's the character says yeah that marriage is like an economic you know an economic um preposition or something i can't quite remember what now the the the, the quote was but and it's true. I think there's so much um, connection between, you know, two things in terms of economically what marriage has always done. And again, that's not in Pakistani culture. You know, we only have to go back to very recently, even, you know, in, in UK history or Victorian times or whatever it might be. Um, and I guess, you know, we, we, there's an impact of a little bit, there always is, of, of colonialism. The fact that why is, like you said, Pakistan not so to speak you know a first world country it's because of all of the colonial history of british empire and the state in which it was left and it's almost still 70 or so years you know still you know recovering um what are your hopes for you know i know you've mentioned some already in terms of you know pakistan but maybe like for yourself as a writer like what would your ideal scenario be in a few years time or whenever it might be in terms of yeah your your own self i guess my own self um i mean i don't know maybe world domination for me yeah. at least <laughs> <laughs> at least at least yeah <laughs> but uh, no but uh, uh, more seriously i feel that uh, i hope that pakistan becomes a more tolerant country that's what i really uh, especially when it comes to the family system i think uh, more tolerance more acceptance that's what we need and uh, also that, uh, as, as you say about the colonialism, yes, we're still suffering from the effects of colonialism, but I do think that Pakistanis need to wake up a little as well. And they need to sort of uh, think outside of the box for mm. for starters. And that's why literature hasn't really taken off in Pakistan that much, because people just don't think out of sight of the box at all. And they don't support their authors. They don't support mm. um, uh, the, the arts. And, uh, and that's why we're so behind uh, Bollywood. Mm. In, in, in India... People do support authors. They're starting to, and they, and we all know how successful Bollywood is. Mm. So Pakistan, I don't know what what's holding Pakistan back. I mean, we do have talent. We have plenty of it, but it's just that we don't have that uh, starting that that you know initial boost that mm. we need to mm. really do really make it. So I don't think we can always keep on blaming the West for all all our problems. I do think that it's about time that we also. I mean, we support all these other things a lot, uh, you know, this brands and this and that. So why not? Why not the arts? Mm. So I think uh, that's what would, that would be my ideal scenario to see a launch like this in Pakistan, mm. where you know people actually come in for the book, not for the food mm. or whatever. Yes, but actually for the book, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 not for samosa and yeah. things, I guess. But actually, that's really interesting. So, are you saying, for example, you you haven't had like a book launch in in Pakistan? Is that not like a common thing there? Like, it's not. I haven't had it yet, but I mean, okay. if I do ever have a, a book launch yes. in Pakistan, it will mostly be about the, the yeah. optics of it. You yeah, know, okay. it'll be about family and p- photos and mm. this and that. It will. It won't ever be about the book. Mm. That's the thing. And and a lot of people that I I I sometimes uh, a lot of people I know in Pakistan who are literary, they were saying that I we wish to see something like this in Pakistan, but we can only hope because mm. something like this won't ever be in Pakistan. It's mostly when people do get together it's about other stuff yes, so yeah, literature yeah, yeah. takes sec- uh, it does not take precedence anymore yeah. so yeah oh i see okay see now i i didn't really maybe know you know that and i guess it's making me think what do you think is the difference then between you know something like watching a, a film because obviously we we know um the the kind of all the hype around um the the movie the legend of, of mola jat and obviously yeah. i don't know how many crore you know <laughs> which was like great it's, you know fantastic and um i mean i had an interesting experience going to watch it here in the cinema because even i was i thought wow there's so much hype i'm gonna go see a pakistani movie and um but yeah so what 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 is that difference then in terms of um 
books and reading compared to kind of that visual kind of film and you know what is it um i think even the films in pakistan i mean mola jet is kind of an anomaly because it did so mm. well but even the films in pakistan don't actually do that well because mm. obviously there's not that the budget isn't really there yeah. mola jet had that money behind it which is why mm. it became successful because they were able to invest that money mm. but usually filmmakers in pakistan don't have the money at all mm. i mean we shouldn't even talk about books and literature yeah. because it's like literally if if films aren't doing well then you can imagine yeah. what the state of the publishing industry is in pakistan mm. that's what i mean that we have we are now i think the latest census it's about 240 million now 240 mm. million people and can you imagine that pakistan does not have a publishing industry yeah. it is just it beggars belief honestly that mm-hmm. uh, a country of such size of so many people does not have a public i mean ireland new zealand their country of 5 million at most they have the big 5 there big 5 mm-hmm. have offices there not a single big 5 has an office in pakistan mm-hmm. they have office in india but then we have a trade ban with india so mm-hmm. that becomes even worse yes. so pakistan is literally there's a saying about having the best of both worlds pakistan is the worst of both worlds yeah <laughs> i see what you mean and then do you think do you think like almost um so for example obviously i I've hosted the book club show. I run um you know a, a, an actual kind of women's book club in Luton. Um there's a book club uh, homeschooling but so there's a lot you know uh, pockets and really amazing things already happening even within um our town. So even though there's such a big emphasis on on kind of reading for pleasure is it almost that maybe in Pakistan because of you know the economic issues and you know the the kind of issues that people are having you know day to day is reading almost like a privileged pastime like is it something or is it just yeah i guess i'm interested to know your perspective on why maybe reading isn't a, a thing or when it comes to an interest you see, i don't know that's that's the interesting thing because uh, books aren't that expensive in pakistan i mean mm. people have seem to have a lot of money for coffees and stuff mm. so i mean if you look at the coffee culture in pakistan and coffees yeah. are over 1 1000 rupees now in pakistan but people right. seem to have plenty for that but when it comes to books i they're like no too expensive we'll just buy the pirated copy uh, that's the thing i think it's yeah. the it's the mindset that needs to change and i think that's where the uk really works mm-hmm. because in the uk people think about a book like an entertainment for the next 2 3 days mm-hmm. they don't think about it like i'm spending 10 pounds or 15 pounds on a book that i won't enjoy they're like mm-hmm. okay this is entertainment this actually beats a coffee mm-hmm. so uh, i mean not yes. everyone in the uk but most people which mm-hmm. is why the publishing industry here is so successful Whereas in Pakistan, we think the opposite. We're like, oh, waste one thousand on a book? No, no, no. I'm going to waste this. Actually, I'm going to get a coffee with a friend, and I'm going to go to Urdu Bazaar and buy this for two hundred rupees. Mm-hmm. Because why should I buy a West Khan's book for one thousand or fifteen hundred rupees? I can buy Stephen King or whatever for fifteen hundred, but a West deserves two two hundred rupees. Yeah, it's that. No, maybe I, it's that yes. colonial hangover then. Yeah, because be, yeah. yeah, because <laughs> not they don't want mm. to pay that much for a Pakistani mm. author. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's just because I'm I'm just thinking you bet because you're right because in um it for us it's like a social thing you can have read a book and then meet still meet over coffee you can still yeah. pay for the coffee and yeah. you know and, yeah. and have a chat and and I guess you know it's there's always um the option I mean I love having actual kind of physical copies because I just like the feel yeah. of it but obviously you know we've got options of um even ebooks you know so there's so much I guess you know out there and obviously I mean again obviously maybe not in Pakistan but you know libraries are a wonderful resource you know and then being able to kind of borrow a book from a library is, is always um a perfect way as well especially yeah. if people are maybe struggling to get into reading or yeah. you know and and so you like your genre it, it comes what does it come under is it kind of crime thriller like i'm just thinking how you would well uh, describe my it. publisher has described it as literary fiction but literary uh, fiction. because okay. uh, because my uh, books have elements of crime in it because mm. because they deal with those socio cultural issues mm. so you could you could class it under that as well but mm. uh, generally i would say literary slash crime sure. maybe okay okay yeah. yeah it's just good to know because i think this is the thing with with reading as well because sometimes people are not quite sure what type yeah. of book they like yeah. and what were your reading 
habits like when 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 you were younger um what kind of books did you enjoy i, I remember growing up in lahore yes. uh, we had this one big bookshop uh, in gulbarg where i used to live it was called book gallery at mm-hmm. the time i literally read everything uh, i mean right. i started off with anit blighton at the time mm-hmm. but then i ventured into hardy boys nancy drew mm-hmm. secret 7 yes. uh, and then even you know i i would secretly read sweet valley as well if oh, right. i could get my hands on it because i was <laughs> literally buying every book they had in mm-hmm. stock so after a point i'd bought everything i'd read yeah. everything so then uh, my cousin had a very good sweet valley collection so when no one was looking at you know pull out a book and <laughs> read sweet valley as well but yeah. then harry potter came so ah so harry potter yeah. fan as well oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay okay I mean, yeah of course yeah, who yeah, isn't yeah. no 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 it's true it's true yeah. i mean yeah my, i mean my daughter loves loves all things harry potter yeah. so um No definitely. Um so then what are you where are you kind of at the moment? So obviously you've the book has just been launched so it's still quite you know fairly new. Um and how does it work? Do you like do a book launch and then go straight into thinking about the next book or do you have a bit of time and space just to enjoy kind of this moment? Um well yeah I mean it depends honestly. I mm. I feel that uh, now that I'm three books in I constantly mm-hmm. have ideas for books so mm-hmm. I'm actually in the middle of writing something mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah it doesn't it depends from it varies from person to person some writers like to take a very long break mm-hmm. and you know you don't see another book from them for next for the next yeah. 10 15 years yeah, yeah. but I do think that it's very important especially for Pakistani authors to actually stay uh, in 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 the uh, you know so, sort of that people should remember them so one book every two years or even mm-hmm. A b- yeah. one book a year is i think doable yeah and it must be really good because obviously like you said maybe for an audience it's really nice to see kind of that yeah. i guess consistency um but also i assume it does it help your kind of momentum keep going like like you said like you, you probably have ideas lots of ideas and you know and and what is your writing process like do you go straight into writing do you I don't know, go on walks or you know i'm interested to know what what that's like it's actually uh, really funny but i do um sort of uh, inspiration hits me when i'm actually mm. in the uk mm. i feel very inspired maybe it's the fact that i'm here and away from all the worries of pakistan mm. but yes i do feel very inspired and i write a lot when i'm in in, in london um uh, mm. funnily enough i love writing in noise so if i'm in a cafe or somewhere i actually am able to concentrate a lot because that help noise sort of calms my mind a little mm-hmm. and helps me focus mm-hmm. so i do love writing in, and cafes in london i mean there's nothing quite yeah. like it it's yeah. so amazing yeah okay okay all right it's really interesting yeah because i don't know why i always picture writers wanting like absolute quiet but yeah i, <laughs> no, ca- I, I don't know it's... maybe i'm in an, um, an, an anomaly because no, a lot of writers do want silence when yeah, they're writing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but no, no i guess it is just whatever yeah i guess helps to kind of get that brain kind of in yeah. gear which is which is great and so how has your um time and in, in the uk i know we've spoken about your book launch but how do you find the uk compared to pakistan like what is it in particular about actually yeah so let me kind of put that what is your favorite bit, thing about pakistan what's your favorite thing about the uk uh, um my favorite thing about pakistan is family because mm. i have family there and I, um, i that's the best part of pakistan i think the family mm. dynamics and mm. the support you get from family all the time and the concern and everything i think mm. that's what i love about pakistan uk it's liber- it's mm. it's very liberating mm. for me i think mm. it's being free in the uk it's a being be able to do whatever you want mm. and not having to worry about anything um yeah. so yeah i think uk has assumed that uh, mm. status for me and i really i really do enjoy my time and i treat it as a very rare treat mm. it's getting rarer still because things are getting so expensive yes. now <laughs> so it's a very very rare treat for me now yeah, yeah. no no but it's good i mean it's yeah. it's nice that you, you know the the fact that you can kind of treat uk almost yeah. i guess like a second home which is yeah. which is really lovely um so then what are you kind of hoping in terms of um what you you know other things that you still want to tackle in terms of you know things that you've looked at so you know your first book um again obviously it was talking about you know issues in in Pakistan second book yeah. was about honor killings this obviously in particular about um kind of you know the the violence of of acid attacks which is obviously quite a gender based violence you know it's majority obviously uh, victims uh, tend to be women um so yeah i mean what else is there do you think that you might still want to explore within you know your your writing 
Well, um, there's plenty more, I think. There's mm. so much going on in Pakistan. It's not just uh, about the social issues, but mm. what happens inside the family. Mm. You see, a lot of that, I, I would love to explore the inner dynamics of family life in Pakistan, especially marriages. Mm. So that's something I want to explore uh, because... Uh, in Pakistan, you're just expected to get married and get on with it. Mm. So <laughs> I just want to explore that what actually goes on in the minds of those people who have been thrown together. Mm. Uh, virtual strange strangers. So yes. that is something I would like to explore as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think, again, because obviously th- this book itself, you looking obviously at arranged marriage. But obviously this isn't... I mean, obviously, it is arranged, but also there's a, a, so much huge pressure. It's almost... Um, it's coercion i mean aisha's main character because of <clears throat> her family's needs and how she's you know feeling quite guilty she obviously agrees to this marriage with with reza despite the fact that she obviously she's in love with somebody else um so but yeah but i think if we talk about what maybe a true arranged marriage is obviously it doesn't really involve coercion you know it's usually a mutual um decision you know by both parties but no i think you're right i think there's still though that thing if you don't really maybe know that each other quite well if you've done it if you've done it properly in a halal <laughs> way um you know compared to what you know we term as love marriages but no i mean i definitely i think that would be something you know really interesting yeah. to, to kind of delve into um so we're, we're approaching kind of the the um, end of the show, but just to kind of finally, if there's any people listening who are interested in writing or or maybe they just want to get into reading or something, you know, what kind of advice can you give them to get into that kind of headspace? Well, if you're looking to get into writing, I would say that, you know, must you must have a very thick skin because you are going to get very discouraged. There will be plenty of rejections. And then when you finally make it, then there will be plenty of one star reviews as well to contend with. So, so you know, you have to you have to have a very thick skin because that's the end. At the end of the day, that's what it's it's a reader's prerogative. And people will love your book. Some people will not love it that much. And that's okay. So you have to understand that people will have opinions and that's fine. And if you want to get into reading, then, you know, just don't even wait another second and just head over to your nearest bookshop and buy my book for starters yes. and, you know, get started from there. But uh, but more seriously, I think anything, any genre that fascinates you, anything that you that fascinates you on TV, for example, if you like watching crime shows or something, then, you know, maybe read crime fiction. And if you like mm-hmm. watching Bollywood movies or something, then maybe get commercial fiction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so just get started from there. Fantastic. No, that's wonderful advice. Yeah. Uh, yes, and definitely I echo the fact that you should go and grab yourselves a copy of Someone <laughs> Like Her by Awes Khan. And um, you will definitely, you know, it, it's something really, really to um, think about and contemplate, you know, and especially if you are, you know, from the diaspora as well, there's a bit of a connection there which you can kind of, um, yeah, just kind of, uh, yeah, reflect deeply about. So thank you so much, Awes, mm-hmm. for joining me in the studio today on the Book Club Show. It's been absolutely wonderful and I wish you the luck. Um, best of luck with all of um, your future work and um, listeners I'll be back hopefully soon inshallah with a new book and a new author so we'll see you very soon Asalaamu Alaikum Thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton